Hello, my witches. Before we get started today, I wanted to pop by and let you know about a bit of a change. This change won't really affect you all too much, but from time to time, or from now on, or maybe just for this month, I'm not sure which, I'll be releasing an older Patreon-exclusive episode on the public feed. So, this month, I'm sharing one from the beginning-ish of the pandemic, and if I release more Patreon-exclusive episodes publicly, I will likely be jumping around and not posting them in order, just so that they make sense with the time of year that I'm going to be posting them. For my Patreon Grove Witches, I'll still be posting a new episode every month for you. So, the only difference is that instead of two new episodes per month, you'll be getting one new one and there'll be one that you've already heard on the public feed. But I'll be trying to make sure that there's at least a few months between when you hear the episode first and when it gets released to the public feed, so that A, you're not hearing the exact same episode back to back, and B, with a few months between hearing the same episode, I'm hoping that you can get something new out of it the second time you listen. All of the other tier perks are staying exactly the same. All of the tarot readings and personal gifts and project updates, things like that, are all staying the same, so don't worry there. This does feel like a bit of a, a big change for me, and I was a little bit hesitant to do this, but I hope that you will understand and that you enjoy getting to hear these Patreon exclusives on the main feed. And real quick before we get started, I wanted to thank the Patreon witches again because you all are so lovely and you're helping keep me motivated. So, new patrons this month are Hannah and Summer. Welcome to the Patreon Grove, witches! And thank you so much to Emmy Primrose for raising your tier. There are two of you in the Pond Sprite tier now, which means we only need two more before that tier gets to do a quarterly draw for a goodie box. And unfortunately this month, we don't have any reviews to read. This podcast, she could, uh, she could use some reviews. The way that podcast charts work is very dependent on the number of reviews that a show gets. So if you'd like to help this show get seen by more people, please take a couple seconds and leave a review, and honestly, that would be just as helpful as financial support. So, without any further ado, let's get out our flour, yeast, and water, and get into some bread magic. Hello, extra special Patreon witches. This is Bread Magic, episode 3.5 of Witchcraft for the Restless. week six-ish, beginning of week seven of isolation here because of COVID-19, and it feels like everyone is sort of getting their hands into some kind of homey craft, like um, picking up knitting or cooking or making art, and especially, it seems, baking sourdough bread. Most people who picked up baking sourdough bread recently did so probably out of necessity, uh, yeast has been very scarce on store shelves. Without the traditional dry yeast that you would buy at the store, you have to make your own sourdough starter with wild yeast. And really, baking just makes more sense these days. Um, you don't have to leave your house to get fresh bread, and it just sort of makes more sense. We have more time available these days, and there's also motivation to stay at home, so when you want bread, make it. There's tons of different resources online about how to make your own wild yeast sourdough starter, um, and I'll link some of those in the show notes. One of my favorite resources is Living Homegrown, uh, which is a podcast by Teresa Lowe, 
who did an interview with Sarah Owens, and it was all about wild yeast and sourdough and uh, wheat, and it was a really fantastic episode, so I'll link that in the show notes. Hi, it is editing me here. Um, I almost forgot to include one of my very favorite podcasts, and she's definitely in my top three favorite podcast hosts. Secret Feminist Agenda, hosted by Hannah McGregor, did an episode on sourdough as well. Um, and that's episode 2.26, Getting Deeply Into Sourdough with Emily Hoven. I hope that I pronounced Hoven correctly. My apologies if I didn't. It's been a while since I listened to the episode. And again, of course, I'll have that linked in the show notes. And so I'm not going to go over that like step by step here. Um, mostly I want to talk about bread as it relates to magic and witchcraft, of course. This episode will be part of the Magical in the Mundane series of segments, and that's where we look at something mundane like bread, for example, through a magical lens. Baking of all kinds is super magical, I think. A loaf of bread is greater than the sum of its parts in terms of digestibility, nutrition, and um, definitely tastiness. Fresh bread has got to be one of the most universally beloved foods. I haven't heard of anyone, I think, who disliked fresh bread. It seems to carry feelings of home and comfort, even to those who didn't grow up baking it. And bread and spirituality have gone hand in hand for likely more than thousands of years. <laughs> bread as religious offering, bread as traditional symbolic gift. Um, when someone buys their first home, it's a traditional symbolic gift. Bread as magical spell itself, and bread as a religious symbol itself. The enormous history of bread being baked and eaten ceremonially, and bread, or rather a fungus that grows on grains, <laughs> is even suspected to have been a possible cause of the madness, quote-unquote madness, in the late 1600s, lending to the Salem witch trial accusations. I actually had a pretty tricky time coming up with a good place to start when it comes to this topic. It's a really, really huge one and has tons of potential directions to go in. So we'll talk about the loose basics of the process of bread making. This outline is like is so loose that hopefully it's relevant to everything from sweet rolls and pumpernickel to like an everyday white loaf. And while I do want to talk about making your own sourdough starter, use the ingredients and steps that are like particular to your recipe, uh, just so everything turns out nice and tasty. To start baking bread, when you're in isolation and all the shops are out of yeast, <laughs> we need to make our own wild yeast starter. Essentially, make yeast food, food for yeast, and then whatever yeast happens to be living in our air and on our fruit and so on, eats that food and starts to live and thrive and proliferate. And soon you have a nice big condensed colony of yeast and bacteria living in a jar in your cupboard. <laughs> that yeast is really fantastic for our gut health. Um, these little microbes who are completely separate from our human selves, they are their own organisms and they live in us to keep us healthy because keeping us healthy is what keeps them healthy and so on and so on in cycles. I like to use physical or scientific examples like gut health and bacteria as allegories. They're really perfect for my conceptualization of spirit, I guess. We as an individual are the universe to other organisms, just like we might be a microscopic colony to some other greater organism that we can't even perceive. We could be the mitochondria of the body of our universe, basically. 
mostly I like to think about yeast and gut flora and mitochondria this way to keep mindful of our connection to the universe or spirit or God, whatever you call that sort of energy that connects everything. Anyways, this train of thought is what led me to think of wild yeast as basically a physical manifestation or a sort of metaphor for house spirits, like, um, like a physical allegory. House spirit or my view of it as like a concept at least it's like the spiritual manifestation of all the energy that's ever been a part or present in that particular piece of land places collect a little bit of energy from everything that has ever been there um plants animals humans houses and so on so each place will have its own particular flavor of energy its own particular mix just as individual as any person spirit. Um, this is exactly how wild yeast works. Yeast is everywhere, and the kinds of yeast we need to make bread are basically everywhere. And the exact makeup of those populations of yeast in your particular time, place, space are so individual. That's why your sourdough starter won't taste the same as someone else's. That's why the bread you make here and now is so special. It's, it's completely unique. Um, it has a completely unique makeup of yeast and that manifests itself in flavor and rise and texture and everything like that. And so just like the energy of your house spirit, uh, yeast, the, and especially the particular yeast that's in your home, is a collective of anything that's been through there. Your sourdough starter will be unique and it will also change over time just like your house's spirit, just like anything's spirit. And so when making and using your wild yeast, if you do work with house spirits, that would be an appropriate thing to thank them for or leave an offering for in exchange for. And this is where you can sort of appreciate the effect that your particular house spirit is having on your magic and on your spirit and on your bread. After you've got a nice vigorous starter going, you can start baking with it. I try to be mindful of my intent and what energy I'm bringing to the bake every time that I bake, but especially when I'm baking bread. Um, something about how much energy you, the person who is doing the baking, has to put into the loaf feels more, it feels more important to be conscious of what that energy is exactly. So decide what you're baking this bread for. And then gather the rest of your ingredients that suit your recipe, including any like culinary herbs or spices or other things you'd like to add. And be mindful of what energy you're bringing to the table. So you've got all your ingredients and then the next step is to preheat your oven. Um, but this isn't a recipe, so this isn't about what temperature to set your oven to, but it's more about how you can use the energy of that rising heat in your ritual. I usually do the opening of my ritual and then just get right into raising energy and putting ingredients together pretty quickly. That's usually just because the oven will preheat by the time that I'm finished the rest of the steps in preparing the loaf, but you can sit with the preheating oven for as long as you like, feeling the rising energy in the form of heat and gently working up to that ideal temperature. Um, you can gently raise yourself from, you know, your starting place energy and ease yourself into raising more energy. Um, instead of jumping both feet right in. After your energy is where you'd like it, you can gather and combine your ingredients according to your recipe. 
And in this step is where you would include herbs and spices, especially dried herbs and spices. But if you're adding any heavier ingredients like cheese or dried fruit, it's best to wait until after your first rise so that the dough can do like one full proper rise to gain some structural integrity before it needs to hold up those heavier ingredients. And you can add your magical ingredients however you like, of course, while um, chanting or visualizing, dancing or singing, reciting a spell, or just saying your intentions for each um, ingredient. There's so many different ways that you can go about this. So do what feels right to you and do what feels right in the moment and enjoy it. And then after your beginning dough has come together, it's time to knead. And this is by far my favorite part of bread making. I love raising the energy and working the dough and really getting moving in like a specific rhythm. And it almost ends up being trance-like, I suppose. I highly recommend putting on some energy-raising music that will further your intent, like choose some music specifically, and getting some energy raised however you like. Dance and song tend to be my preferred energy-raising methods. And then go in on your dough when you feel that you're ready to like push that energy right into your dough. Careful not to overwork your dough though. Um, most basic bread recipes won't be super particular about how much to knead, but they'll usually give you a guideline like um, about 10 minutes. So especially if you're going to be using the kneading as like a rhythmic part of your uh, ritual, you definitely want to put on a timer so that you don't get carried away and accidentally knead for like an hour. <laughs> Kitchen witchcraft and in particular bread making hasn't really changed for thousands of years and it's a really really strong way to connect with your ancestors. Everyone has ancestors that baked bread. Everyone has ancestors that can teach them what dough should feel like when it's time to stop kneading or that particular wrist twist and dough pull that you started kneading with but you weren't sure where you picked up. We might be using different appliances than they did then but I bet that we all have so many ancestors behind us going through the same movements and steps when we bake bread. And then after kneading comes rising or proofing. When all that great energy we put in to lengthen the gluten chains combines with the energy of like the living wild yeast that we put in, we get rise. This step can be used in a spell to symbolize any sort of abundance or growth, sort of like a symbol for something from nothing. A small dish of uh, proofing dough makes a great offering, and you can draw in sigils to represent how you want to grow or what abundance you want to bring into your life. And you can also combine the proofing time with uh, candle magic, lighting candles that you charged with uh, your intent while it proofs. And most doughs will want you proofing the dough until it doubles in size, and so keep in mind that anything that you are um, any energy that you're putting into this step, it's going to be doubled. So keep that in mind when you are deciding what this step is going to be all about for you. And most recipes will also call for a second bit of kneading, during which you can add those heavier ingredients that we left out in the first kneading. And then usually you shape the dough into whatever its final shape will be, and then let it prove for a second time. And you can repeat the magic you did during the first kneading and proving here, to really sink that in, or you can add a different bit of your intention or your spell into each one of those um, kneadings and uh, provings. Since you're doing um, four of these steps, kneading, proving, kneading, proving, 
why not use each one to call in a direction or an element to bring their energy into your loaf? To me, kneading would feel like fire and water, and letting the dough rise feels like air and earth. And then after your final proof, a lot of loaves will call for you to use a sharp blade to slash some cuts in the top of your loaf. So you can slash a line or a sigil or um, a simple rune into the top of your loaf. And this is so that it won't split open on the sides when it bakes. So this is a fantastic place to put things that represent um, places in your life that you want to be in control of. Controlled breaks and controlled cuts and controlled growth especially. And in this step, keep in mind that if you make too many cuts, it could fall or lose its rise. But if there's too few cuts or no cuts, it could split open in a place you didn't want it to and be really uneven. And then after you've made those cuts, it goes into the oven. If you add some cold water into a roasting pan that's in your oven as well as your loaf, it will create some steam and that makes a really great crust on lots of different kinds of bread. So when your loaf is in the oven, if you're working with the elements, they all physically have to come together to make this loaf. Fire in the heat of the oven, water in the steam that's creating the rise and softness and that crust, earth in the wheat and yeast and bacteria, and air. Uh, what would bread be without air? <laughs> Definitely wouldn't be bread, that's for sure. Even unleavened bread needs air bubbles. And if you work with the fifth element of spirit, your energy in the form of that act of kneading and all that energy you rose is also in there. Baking a loaf of bread is amazing for manifestation. It is really something from nothing. Um, humans couldn't digest the wheat without the help of the um, bacteria breaking it down and, and helping us digest it. And so many different things have to work perfectly in order for that to work. And that's also why it makes such an amazing offering or um, just such an amazing way to connect with your ancestors. It has so much history and um, it's so very human. And so I believe just like bringing together very different separate things into one new whole uh, physically, like baking a loaf of bread is very human. I also believe that it's very human to bring together very disparate separate pieces of energy and spirit together and create a new whole and I kind of I don't really believe in like a, a, a purpose or a point to all life but I think that that can be a focus letting all the energy from everything you've experienced in your entire life collect and create your own spirit and your own sort of collective energy and also fresh bread is just delicious so it's worth it to make bread even if you aren't putting anything magical into it. Fresh bread is just tasty. <laughs> so I invite you to make some bread and share it with me. Not in real life, of course, we are isolating. <laughs> but you can follow me on Instagram and Tumblr at The Restless Witch and Twitter at Restless underscore Witch. If you're hearing this, you probably already know about my Patreon, but I am The Restless Witch on Patreon as well, and I really appreciate your support. It means a whole ton. If you want to check out my Etsy shop, I have crocheted things available there, um, and that's The Restless Witch as well. The music in this episode was Let the Gold Flow by Birds of Paradise. You can email me at therestlesswitch at gmail.com, and for everything else, you can check out my website, therestlesswitch.com. 
One last little thing from editing me. I'll be linking to and using the show notes from when I originally posted this episode on Patreon. So if there are slightly out of date things there, please let me know and also forgive me. Thank you so much again for listening, and I'll talk to you in the next episode. Stay restless, witches. This month, my witchy secret is sort of, I don't know, embarrassing. I don't really know if I'm embarrassed about this, but we are still in the midst of moving. We've been moving since the end of summer, and we're just moving on to the other side of the house, but it is a very slow work in progress. There are some things that we were waiting on getting fixed or getting redone on this new side of the house, and we're still waiting for a couple of those things, but we are mostly well on our way. And now it's just a matter of both my partner and I taking physical and mental care of ourselves and going definitely slower than we would in a normal year. But I am trying to be okay with it. I have my working kitchen altar set up now, which has actually really helped me feel settled on this side of the house. I didn't think that it would really help this much, but wow, it is great. So now I'm finally starting to feel like this is our house. But yeah, this move has been a months and months long ordeal, which is part of the reason why I'm reposting past Patreon episodes instead of recording two full episodes this month. So be gentle with yourselves. And it's okay if things are taking you a lot longer than you feel like they normally would. I will talk to you in the next episode, which will hopefully be an Imolg special, maybe. I should maybe not promise these things. I don't know. Anywho, I'll talk to you in the next one. And stay curious, witches.